This is an unusual way for me. You know how I am. Sometimes I get a verse and I preach on that verse forever and ever and ever and, and emphasize every word and because it's so full of meaning and we learn so much from it. But this morning I'm going to be sharing with you for a few minutes covering about four chapters, two of them in... Second Chronicles and two of them in Second Kings. But you bear with me and pray for me. It's hard for me to do that. And I know I'll leave a whole lot of stuff out. But maybe I can inspire a little interest in the text. A little interest in the text. So let's get started. I'll read chapter 34, verse 1 and through 3. 1 through 3 to begin with. Chapter 34, verse 1 through 3. Now before I read this, I'd like to share this with you. You know that last Sunday was a youth event. And boy, was it ever a youth event. I'm telling you, I just don't ever remember uh, witnessing uh, anything quite like that. Uh, and I had shared with everybody, you know, we're going to call off the Sunday evening services because we'll be uh, having a meal, sharing a meal here today, and then the young people are going to be involved in a lot of activities. And, uh, of course, I stayed all day. I'm not a young person, but I sure enjoyed myself and got a little bit wet, you know, like they got a whole lot wet. But um, if you uh, weren't around in the afternoon... I'll just tell you that uh, that thing went non-stop. And I understand that when finally we had to turn in some of the inflatables late in the afternoon, 5 o'clock or so, 4 or 5 o'clock, they were some of them crying. And, um, and so we had inflatables everywhere out here. A lot of it was uh, involved water. And then up through the field, up toward the shelter, uh, even the National Guard come and brought two inflatables, maybe three, I can't remember for sure. And um, it was just something else to observe that. So there was activities even at the shelter. Darlene is the best c- uh, cotton candy maker in the world. She was cranking it out. And uh, uh, they were having water balloon fights. They was, I mean, it was unreal. And uh, there's a couple of these... Uh, kids, I tell you what, I just couldn't hardly believe what I was seeing, what I was witnessing. Even Josh's little boy, it was something to watch him. He was involved in going through one of the inflatables I seen, and at one point he was having so much fun, uh, water was all over the parking lot, he just laid down in it. And it, it was something to observe. And uh, I had announced that there would be a devotion in the afternoon. Well, uh, they wasn't going to be no devotion in the afternoon. They wasn't going to be because they, I couldn't have a, a, a rounded up enough for it. They would not have left what they were doing, left off. So I didn't share a devotion. A devotion. Devotion. <laughs> but anyway, this was what it was going, going to be the text for it. Because it's involved, it involves a very young man who ended up, and 
you know, I, I would encourage you to just read this whole story. Read the story. Read the story about his daddy. Read the story about his grandfather. Read the story about his great-grandfather. It would, it's fascinating to read uh, the details about that. And so it says in verse 1, as the Lord adds His blessing to His Word. Now remember, uh, the emphasis last Sunday and of course this Sunday morning, and uh, I just can't begin to tell you how much I appreciate a church that puts the emphasis on our young people. Now I'll tell you this right quick before I read these verses. Brother Tim Hall made the remark that he believed that the pastor loved these kids better than he loves the adults. I'll tell you a funny story about that, and I always have. It's real. It really is. I love them. They know I love them, and they love me back. I'm telling you, no matter how old I am, they still love me. You will observe them running up and hugging me and everything, and that just thrills my heart when they do that. But one time, there was this lady, a member of the church, and she was uh, a very cranky, mean lady, just to be honest with you. She really was. She didn't have nothing good to say to anybody or about anybody or whatever. It was one of them. Just one of them. And one day she came up to me. I was... Uh, uh, having some activity with some young people, and she said, Brother Thomas, you love them more than you love us old people. And I said, Ma'am, that's not true. I love them, and I love the old people too. There's just some that you can have result by investing in their lives, and others, it's impossible. And then went on my way. That's what I said to her. She never did say anything else. The title of the message this morning is going to be Investing in Our Young People. Investing in Our Young People. It's going to be in this story. It's going to come out very clear. So I'll begin by sharing. I'm going to read, begin by reading verse 1 through 3 of chapter 34. You follow me. Here's what it says. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Now, I mean, when you first start reading, you're going to, things, you, the, your mind starts to think, how could that possibly be? Well, I'm going to tell you how that can be, and how it was several times in the Old Testament, how that uh, he could reign uh, as king of Israel, and of course, one of the most successful kings that the nation ever had. One of the most successful, and you'd have to read and carefully study the whole chapter to see that. So he was eight years old when he began to reign. And I will tell you now, I mean right up front, there's no way it could happen without there was some interest or some investment or, or some encouragement from somebody uh, in this young person's life. And that's the point I want to make this morning in, in, this, uh, in this time period. How much influence can have on uh, young people. I want to tell you, it it can be unreal. Anyway, it says he was eight years old and began to reign. He reigned Jerusalem for 31 years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor 
to the left. Pretty impressive, is it not? Pretty impressive. For in the eighth year of his reign, he was 16 years old. While he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Now, I preach this all the time. I believe it with all my heart. When a person really genuinely comes to the Lord in saving faith and is saved by the grace of Almighty God, their life is changed. It is a fact. You might know people who make a profession of faith, go on about their life, and never are impacted, seem to be in any way, don't bear any fruit or anything like that. I want you to know this morning, that's not what the Bible teaches. That is not the teaching of the Word of God. A lot of people make a profession of faith, and there can be a faith that's not saving faith. And the Bible tells us in the book of James what it's like. Faith without works is dead. It is dead. It's not saving faith. And so, that's a fact. Here in a passage we have before us, when he began to seek after the God of his father, David, which was his, mm, I can't remember how far back, I can tell you this, it was 400 years before he was born when David served. David was a pretty impressive man and pretty impressive king and had a lot of influence on others. That's what I'm preaching on is the influence that we can have on others and especially influence on young people. And before I forget to say it, before I forget to make the point, I want to tell you this morning, you don't have to have children in the church. You don't have to have grandchildren in the church. You don't have to have those in order to have an influence or whatever. I want to tell you what, if you're a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, you can invest yourself in the ministry of your church which has an influence on our young people. Our young people have always loved their church. They've always loved being here. They've always loved all the activities we've had, we have. And, and it has an influence and an impact on their lives. And I'll just tell you right off, any church that don't have any young people, I'll tell you this, something is wrong. Something is wrong. I mean, and, then, and they may be wonderful people. They may have uh, all kinds of ministries uh, that are uh, good and encouraging. But when the youth are missing, the future of the church is in question. It is in question. You see, Emmanuel Church has a future. You all know that the church does. Simply because you can see them running around and uh, little snotty-nosed kids. That, that is the church's uh, future. And I'm thankful. I thank God for that. I'd have a really hard time being the pastor of the church that didn't care about the young people. I would because of how I feel about them. That's, that's the way I, way I feel. And so, this young man had a, an experience that was real and it was genuine. And I can show you several times in the Bible how that's true. Now, now here's what the story, how the story goes. He had this experience, and then in this chapter from uh, verse number 3, 
the last part of the verse. It, say, it says, seek after his, the God of his father, David his father. And in the twentieth or the twelfth year of his reign, that's verse, he was twenty years old. Twenty years old. Now you say, well, it's not possible that somebody twenty years old can have an impact on a nation. I want to tell you all, here is a story about how it happened. And, and I want to just pause here just for a moment. Let me read the rest of this verse first. And the Bible says, in the twelfth year of his reign, when he was twenty, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves, that's idol worship, and, 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 and the carved images and the molten images. You see, what, what is happening here is that... Uh, and this reminds me a lot of our own country. It really does. You see, you back this up. His daddy was named Ammon. His grandfather was named Manasseh. His great-grandfather was named Hezekiah. And anybody studied much of, uh, related to the nation of Israel and kings in the Old Testament, you know that Hezekiah was a good king. Hezekiah was a good king. The nation was in pretty good shape when Hezekiah was a nation. Let me tell you about human nature. Once you stop enforcing reality and rules uh, that are biblical and godly, I don't care whether it's in the home or individual life or whether it's in a nation, I will tell you, human nature goes backward. It declines. It always does once it's neglected. In the United States of America today, I will tell you the Word of God has just been pushed plumb out. I, I, I want to tell you something. I hope everybody listens to what I say. If you're not seeing this and understanding it, you see our leadership in Washington at this present time is promoting some of the most raunchy, immoral, ungodly, unbiblical things. They're promoting it, putting it up in front of everybody and saying this is the right way to go. This is how to do it. It's the truth, brother. It is the truth. And if you think for one minute that the God of the Bible, and he, you can learn all about Him in these stories in the Old Testament, it's in this story. It is in this one. As a matter of fact, I will tell you this. What God told Josiah at one point, He said, because you've been a good king, and you've been sensitive, and you've poured out your heart before Me, I'm going to protect you, and the nation is going to be in good shape until you die and leave this world. But I, here's what God said. The nation is going to be punished because of your grandfather, King Manasseh. That's what He said. God said that. You said, you think, well, maybe if they straightened it up, you know, and everything would be okay. But God's wrath, it says God poured His wrath out on them. And don't you think for one single minute. You see, let me tell you something about nations of the world. There are nations in our world that God uh, has, well, I can't say that He's never had anything to do with them because they exist because of Him. Uh, Acts chapter 17 tells us that. They would not be in existence if it weren't for uh, the providence of Almighty God. I can tell you that. So He is, I would never tell you, He's not involved in any nation uh, that rises up or falls or whatever in this world. But I want to tell you something. 
There are nations that God has had a unique, special relationship with in history and has a purpose and a will, and so God takes a special interest in those nations. And they're the nations, like Israel, just like Israel, that can fall under severe the severe wrath and judgment of Almighty God because of their neglect of Him and His purpose and His will. I want to tell you all what I think. I think that America is one of those nations. I, I, I'm a, I've been an a avid student of the history of this country. I want you to know what I think about it. I believe that America came into existence as a miracle from Almighty God. Some of the things that happened, some of the things that come into play could not have happened apart from divine intervention. I want you to know how I feel. You may not believe that, you may not agree with me, but that is exactly how I feel. I believe that America exists as a miracle from Almighty God. I believe that there's no nation anywhere in the world that has ever, this side, this side of Israel, that has ever been like America. A constitutional republic. And we have people, listen, it's obvious we have people who hate the Constitution. They hate it. They despise it. They want to do things to change, change it. They like to throw it out. And you know the reason why? It limits their uh, liberality. It limits their progressive attitudes. It limits what they... Listen, I want to tell you something. If they could ever pack the Supreme Court and put the right kind of people on there, then we could forget the Constitution. As a matter of fact, there are people that are prominent that I have all kinds of respect for that I've already heard them say, we are now living in a post-constitutional America. There are people that would destroy this country if they could. There are people who want to tear it down and build it back better in their idea, in their mind. But I want to tell you something. If, if we're not careful, if we're uh, neglectful enough, I believe with all my heart there's coming a time when America as we know it this morning may not exist anymore. I believe that. I believe with all my heart. And I believe that we need to start paying attention. Now here's what I want to share with you. This young man, this young man when he had a genuine experience with the Lord, um, the Bible tells us from verse 3 down through verse 7 that he really did purge the land. He really did. Boy, I mean, he got in there and he started getting it done. As a matter of fact, there's a couple of things that are uh, mentioned in these verses from verse 3 down through verse 7. Uh, number, number one, I'm, I mentioned this in verse 6. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even to Nephthala, with their mattocks round about. Now, I don't know whether you know what a mattock is, but it's an axe-like instrument. It gets the job done. I, I want to tell you that. It gets the job done. As a matter of fact, they, they broke down all of this stuff that had to do with uh, uh, war, evil uh, idol worship, and, and they, uh, they ground it and beat it into powder. They beat it into powder and cut down the aisles throughout all the land of Israel. Uh, and he uh, returned to, to Jerusalem. And, oh, and the Bible says this in the fourth verse, uh, that 
he, he did all of this, the molten images broke them to pieces and made dust of them and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. Now, now when somebody, somebody had died and buried, you know, you think, oh, that's the end of it. Buddy, I want to tell you what. He beat it into powder and strode it on their graves. As a matter of fact, some of the uh, so-called priests who had been involved in idol worship, he dug up their skeletons, he dug up their bones and burned them. Now, I want to tell you something. Josiah was serious about this stuff, right? Amen? We have to respect him for that. And so, uh, this is what Josiah did. And I, I believe that, here's what I'm, I'm, I think. You know, I believe that we live in a time where the uh, reality in our, in our country is being ignored. You know, I believe that uh, we're, we're so blessed that we really don't think about what might come in the future. We don't think much about how evil things are. You know, we don't think... You know, it was amazing when COVID come along and parents begin to learn what was being taught to their children. They sure did. You say, well, how did they do that? Because they were uh, studying at home and parents saw, saw that there was an uprising in the state of Virginia, it was something else. And they said, you, that's not right. You're not supposed to you know, teach our children how to learn, not what to know, what to think. Tell them, teach them how to think. Don't teach them what to think. And so they were involved in introducing things that caused them to hate each other because of skin color and things like that. That's just the way it is. I think it's called CRT critical race theory, and, and it's awful. <laughs> you may not agree with me. That's alright. You can be wrong if you want to. But I want to tell you something. That's, that should not... There's no, there's no reasonable reason that things like that would be taught to our children. Teach them to read. Teach them to write. Teach them math and history and science and geography and those things which statistics say in America, we're behind a lot of the nations of the world as far as things like that are concerned. And so, uh, they begin to learn that. And they begin to rise up against that kind of thing. And so the Bible, you can read the story. Once he had purged the land, the Bible says, now in the 18th year, in verse 8, in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, and it goes on to tell us he was 26 years old here, and that from there through verse 13, it tells how that they had to uh, restore and rebuild the temple. The place of worship. You say, preacher, what happened to the place of worship? The place of worship was neglected. The place of worship became, came to ill repair. As a matter of fact, I, I want to illustrate how bad it got. It got so bad they did not have the Word of God. They did not have the writings, uh, the law. They didn't have it. And the reason I know that is in verse 14. And when they brought out the money, this is raised to repair the house of the Lord, that was brought into the house of the Lord. Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. They discovered the Word of God. 
You say, preacher, do you think revival is going to happen in America? I do. I really believe that. I believe it's going to happen. And I believe it will happen this way because the Word of God is discovered. It's not that there's a shortage of it. It's everywhere. Probably most everybody here this morning has got it laying in your lap or your seat beside you. You have a Bible. You have the Word of God. But I want to tell you something. If you look at our country as far as government and everything is concerned, this book that I hold in my hand is pretty much hated and neglected. They don't want to hear what it's got to say. When you share with them what it says, they don't like that. They don't like it at all. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear it. Isn't it something? Uh, I heard, <laughs> I thought this was funny. Uh, that new telescope that they've made, you know, and seeing a whole lot more than anything else. And, and, and I heard them saying, oh, you know, we're going to be able to really uh, show how evolution come about and all that kind of stuff. I don't know whether you've seen it or not. I've still got a read on it. I've found a source for it. A bunch of these scientists are saying, oh man, I sure don't want to admit that I've been wrong. The Big Bang Theory is not real. It's a theory. It didn't happen that way. And this telescope is beginning to show how that came about. That it's not real. Look it up and read. I'm going to. I'm going to. But you see, uh, they don't like the Bible. They don't want the Bible. We have it. It's not been lost, but it's been lost in one sense. It's lost in the sense that we live in a world that don't want it and don't like it. And uh, who would do anything they could do to get rid of it. And the reason is they don't want to be accountable for themselves. You see, that's what this book does. It holds people accountable. Accountable. And so, the Bible says that they found the Word of God. Now, tradition, there's some tradition that says that it had been hidden in under a pile of stone. The temple was in bad repair. You can read all about it here. Uh, it was in bad repair. And it was pr- hidden... Uh, to keep it from being destroyed, even by fire, it was buried. Is what is where it was at, and so they found they found the book. And so uh, King Josiah, he wanted to know what the book said, and uh, and so the Bible tells us that in in this uh, chapter that they they brought that book to uh, to him. And they began to read it to him. And you know, I found something extremely interesting in this. And I can't, I can't see it right, uh, right off. But uh, it's, it's here and it's also uh, in the book of 2 Kings in chapter 22 and chapter 23. Uh, and I wish... Okay, yeah. Here, this is in uh, 2 Kings chapter uh, 23. And it says, moreover the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and idols and abominations that were, were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book of Hilkiah. That's the priest. Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Now, you might think, well, what does that mean? Now, it's also in Second Chronicles. I wish I 
Oh yes, here it is. I just knew the Lord helped me find this. You see, all the judgments coming down because of Manasseh, uh, jo- uh, Josiah's grandfather. Let me read a little bit about that. Chapter 33. Here's what it says. And Manasseh was uh, 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, likened to the abomination of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. And he reared up altars uh, for Balaam and made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And also built altars in the house of the Lord whereof the Lord said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for the hosts of heaven and uh, courts in the house of the Lord. This is worshipping everything. This is worshipping, making it up. All kinds of God. Sun God, moon God, star God, whatever. You name it. They just was worshipping. And verse 6, And he caused the children of Israel to pass through the fire. You know what that is? That's sacrificing your children. That's what that is in their worship. Uh, oh, I would encourage you. I, I remember when I was in Old Testament in, in Bible college and the Old Testament professor wouldn't talk about the things that they did in these places of worship. And he required that we buy this book. And I bought it. And he required us to read it because he wouldn't talk about it in class. He wouldn't talk about it in class. <laughs> that reminds me, I was going down the road uh, this past week and listening to a, a, a program that I listen to pretty regularly. And uh, this guy was talking about monkeypox. And he said that uh, our current administration had appointed someone uh, to come up with rules to keep you from getting monkeypox. It wasn't, you see, we don't have to worry about monkeypox. We don't have the lifestyle to have to worry about monkeypox. But this, this person was appointed, I guess taxpayers are paying him. And on the radio, they give out some of those instructions. How to practice that immorality and keep yourself from getting monkeypox. You wouldn't, I, I would not repeat it. I would not repeat what I heard on the radio. That's an illustration, folks. That's what it is. But he says, and verse 6, And he caused them to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and observed times, and listen, used enchantments, and used witchcraft, and dealt with familiar spirits, and with wizard, wizards, and he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord. You know what all that is? That's demonic activity. Do you believe demonic activity can be involved in human government? You better believe demonic activity can be involved in human government. And demons are not dumb. They know how to operate and keep people... They don't come right out and say some of these things that we find listed in the Bible. But I want to tell you something. I remember a study we did on Wednesday night several years ago where I shared with the folks that entire cultures could be demon-possessed. Entire cultures could be demon-possessed. 
And I, I answered some questions that people had about how God gave orders, kill them all. Wipe them out. Women, children, animals, everything. Wipe them out. Why would God do that? Well, i got news for you. I know why. I found it in the Bible. It was because entire cultures could be demon-possessed. That's what was happening here. This is a little bit of the illustration about how that a nation can go back and go back and go back until they provoke Almighty God. Now, I, I want to I do this before, uh, before we run out of... I've done run out of time this morning. But I wanted to share something that is found in here. Now, remember the title that I've shared with you on this is uh, Investing in Our Youth. You see, I believe that one day revival is going to happen in America and it it won't happen until there's a great awakening. You say, preacher, I believe you're awakened. I am awakened. I pray that God will wake more people up and help them to understand. Because there will have to be awakening before there will ever be a revival. You've got to be sick of what's going on. And I don't know, folks. It could be things need to get a whole lot worse than they are before that happens. But here's the wonderful thing. It may take a new generation, God raising them up, to bring about the kind of change that's in His purpose and in His will. And you know what? Some of these young people that we invest our time and effort in may very well be a part of that. Church, thank you. God bless you for taking an interest in our young people and teaching them. Now about the influence. Anybody would know that there's not any way that a a boy eight years old can be the king of a nation and be successful like this all by himself. And it wasn't. That wasn't the case. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us here that the high priest... His name was Hilkiah, and he was involved in Josiah's life. No doubt he was instructing him and teaching him. You might wonder how he knew how to purge the land of the evil. How would he know the difference when he didn't have the Word of God? He had the high priest that took an interest in him and was helping him and did help him. But you know what? He wasn't the only one. i done a little digging. And I found out that there was more advisors around him other than the high priest. There was Habakkuk. You all know about the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament. Well, you could go back there and read the book of Habakkuk and you will be reading about the same exact period of time. You see, he was a prophet and he was preaching. Even though the Word of God was lost, they had the Word of God in the preaching of Habakkuk. But he wasn't the only one. Zephaniah was there during this period of time. So you can go to the Old Testament and read the book of Zephaniah and you can think, boy, that was exactly what was going on. He was hearing things from these. But more impressive than these was Jeremiah. And I know everybody here this morning, you appreciate the book of Jeremiah. And you love the prophet Jeremiah. And we learn so much from Jeremiah. And I found something in the 35th chapter of this book. 
30, chapter 35, uh, where we're looking at, uh, looking at, and I want, I want to read verse 25. Now, Josiah dies, of course, and he's buried. And the Bible says in verse 25, and Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and singing women spake of Josiah in their lamentation to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel, and behold, they are written in the lamentation. Jeremiah lamented at the death of this king. So was he, who, where was he learning that from? He was learning it from those who were investing their effort and their time and their teaching and their preaching in a young person. That's what they were doing. Oh, listen, maybe one day, and it may be soon, we may see some of our young people, Sunday school teachers, that you've taken the time and effort to teach them, and that you thought they were not listening. <laughs> you thought that. I have them tell, tell me that all the time, you know. Uh, I, I don't know whether they heard that or not. Well, i got news for you. Here's what I've learned from many years of preaching the Gospel, is that sometimes these little ones will come up to me and they will make a remark about the message that I preached. And they may have been sitting in the pew drawing and doing all kinds of stuff, but they were hearing every word of it. Folks, let me tell you something. In this story of Josiah is the sovereignty of God. In the story of Josiah is the providence of Almighty God. I got in a discussion with someone this morning. They had requested a prayer. And I was sharing with them, and I'm going to preach a whole sermon on it. It's coming soon. On the, you know how I believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. And I've made the remark, there's no preacher ever preached the whole gospel or the whole council that did not believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. Did you know that what you think about God will affect all of your doctrinal positions in life? And many of you have learned that. You come up to somebody, I have people all the time ask me, how in the world, preacher, could a person not believe this? And my answer is simple. Your view of God will keep you from believing the truth about something else. I'm going to tell you that all my doctrinal positions as a Bible teacher have flowed from my view of God as I've found in the Word of God. And that's the way it is. That's the way it is. So, let's keep investing in them. Let's keep encouraging them. Let's keep influencing them to the honor of Almighty God. And teachers, you keep teaching because they're going to pick up what God wants them to have. Amen? They're going to pick up. A long time ago, I thought, now, when I first started preaching the Gospel, that's been about almost right at 50 years, I used to lay down to bed at night and I'd think, Lord, I just don't believe that done a bit of good. I just, I, I, I'm surely a failure. Surely. One day the Lord showed me something that changed my life. Here's what He showed me. He didn't say this to me, but here's what He showed me. Preacher, you preach my word 
you let me do what I want to do with that. And he showed me that passage in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11 where he said, my word will never return void but accomplish the reason why I sent it. That's my words, of course. But it's true. I go to bed, I lay down and sleep like a baby. And Sue says I snore, but I don't believe her. I don't, I've never heard myself snore. I've never heard that. I believe she's just pulling my leg. But anyway, you know the reason why I can say that? One of the things we have to do, we have to believe the right thing about God and we have to be busy serving Him and let Him, uh, let him do what He's going to do with it. And so, He took little Josiah in His hand and He used some very influential people to influence that young man to accomplish His purpose and bring revival to the nation of Israel. Father, thank You so much, dear God, for putting this story in here and helping us to read it and learn from it and understand Your purpose and plan in all things. And Father, I want to pray again for these young people and I want to pray that You would help us as a church to continue to influence their life. And I want to pray, Lord, down through the years, I've seen parents neglect their children when it comes to spiritual matters. I've seen parents who wouldn't bring their kids to church. Father, we don't have to have kids. We can invest our efforts in, in, in prayers and in, in asking You to help us to be a part of the growth of our church. The Bible says, seeing that you're zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying. That's building up of the church. Help us, O Lord, to build your church and influence our young people. We believe it. We know it's your will. And we ask you to help us to do that. And if there are those who have been negligent, I pray, O God, you convict them. Uh, if, if you're doing anything in their life, sometimes you're not doing nothing. We know that. But if you are, teach them, Lord, how to follow your will in matters like this. We ask you to bless us in this closing hymn. ask you to speak to our hearts, whatever our needs might be, that you may be honored and glorified by your leadership in our life. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Would you stand with me now while Brother Aaron comes and leads us in a closing number?